You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. It's my privilege to introduce today Rachel Jordan Wolf. She is Executive Director of Hope Together, and they're an organization that really want to encourage and um, facilitate and equip the local church to do evangelism and to do it really well. And Rachel, she's come all the way from London to be with us this morning. She is passionate about evangelism and sharing our faith. And she is an amazing speaker. And every time I hear Rachel speak, I am so inspired by her. And I know you will be this morning. So can we give her a big hand as she comes up? I'm going to pray for you, and then it's over to you. Lord, we thank you for Rachel. We thank you. What a gift she is to our church and the church. And we pray, Father, that what is burning in her, you would release into the room today and into our hearts. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you. What a joy and privilege to be in Aberdeen. I don't think I've been to Aberdeen before, so, but I'm learning a lot about Aberdeen. It's wonderful. Um, I've done Edinburgh and I've done Dundee, so it's good. I'm slowly, slowly traveling north. I've sort of been off to Iona and that, that side, but I've not come this side. So, yeah, so I live in London um, and I um, run this charity and I'm married to Darren and we're church planters in the HTB family and we live in the East End. Um, so it's a great place to be. It's the home of good coffee and I think beards. I haven't got one. I haven't got one. And I'm not going to try to get one either. Um, so, and it's a joy and privilege to be with you. And I love um, evangelism. I do. I love seeing, don't, isn't it the joy if someone comes to faith, what a joy that is? Isn't that really what we're here? That, you know, we, the Lord could have just scooped us all up and we could have gone straight to glory. Um, but instead, we're here because he wants us to bring as many people with us. You, this, you can't take anything else with you when you die. The only thing you can take is other people into the presence of Jesus. Absolutely everything else that you have will be stripped away. The only thing you will bring, you, bring with you into the presence of Jesus is other people. Isn't that exciting? And who are you going to bring? Who are you going to bring? Because isn't that the most wonderful thing? And so I'm really into, yeah, really into evangelism. That's the focus. That's the heart. And we, um, we, we've got some, yeah, sorry, it's good this box has arrived. Sorry, I got diverted. The magical box has arrived. It went ahead of me because I couldn't carry it all. So that's all right. You've just, it's just slightly comic though because it's, it's going to be great for your course because you've got the course workbook. Um, so we'll just put that back. <laughs> Love it, love it, couldn't make it up. Anyway, I, um, there's a passage in the Bible. I don't know what you think about Aberdeen. You obviously love it, you're all here. Now, if I said to you, you I'm saying about bringing people to, into the presence of Jesus with you, do you think that's an easy task or a hard task? How do you think the ground is here? You know, there's that verse where Jesus talks about the harvest. What do you think? If I said to you, the harvest in Aberdeen is... 
What word would you use? Just think about it for a minute. What word would you use? The harvest in Aberdeen is... I've often asked people all around the country, the harvest in is. What do you think? Let's have a little think about what Jesus says. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew 9. If you're online, we're in Matthew 9. Starting at verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every de- disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus thinks that the harvest is plentiful. I wonder if that was just, was that just the time of Jesus? Or do you think it could possibly be right now here in Aberdeen? That's an exciting thought, isn't it? If the harvest was plentiful right now, I wonder if we'd change what we were doing and how we went about it and what we thought about it. We might be a bit more excited about it. Because that's what Jesus says. So we thought we'd find out. I quite like research as well. I like church history. I like research, both those things. Um, And um, so we thought we'd find out. So we originally did some research to find out what was happening across the UK when it comes to evangelism. We did it because we were gathering lots of leaders together. And I said, the problem is we're all going to get together. And then we're going to talk about, well, on the bus last week, I met this person. And then we're going to extrapolate from that and create a strategy for mission and evangelism. So we're all going to share our anecdotes, which often happens when it comes to evangelism. But you know what? That doesn't give us a whole picture of what's actually happening. So we went off to a researcher and we did this research in 2015. And we presented it to all these denominational leaders. We had John and Debbie with us. We had the Archbishop of York. We had all these people. And they didn't believe it. It was great. Resounding moment of triumph, Rachel. Fantastic. So we stood there in this room. We told them what the UK was like. And they went, they went oh, no, Rachel, that cannot possibly true, be true. Because the research agreed with Jesus. And it said that the harvest was plentiful. And what happened was that all the denominational leaders went, oh, no, not where we are. Because they're all sharing that anecdote with a the person they met on the bus last week. So they said, you're going to have to do it again. You're going to have to go do that research again. And we were like, oh, really? So we put a pot around the room. If any of you know anything about research, we just increased the size of the sample and we did it again. Guess what we got? Same results. So we got everyone back in the room and we said, hello, everybody. Ta-da, research. And then they went, oh, oh, that's interesting. Maybe that, maybe that could, well, mm, now we've got to really think about it. Anyway, and then we did it again in 2022. But even by now, in 2022, I've seen the shift since 2015. We are beginning to shift. It's a bit like trying to move the Titanic, but we are beginning to shift um, in our thought processes. And what it is, is who is in control of what you think about the UK? Who is in control about what you think about what people think about in Aberdeen? Where do you get most of your information from? 
Yeah, and who's, who's writing it? Or who is it on YouTube that you listen to? Or who is it on Google that you follow? Really interesting. And do they, what do they want to tell you? So is it Jesus or someone else who's actually telling us about what's happening in the UK? Interesting one. Sorry, my thing switched off. So we're going to have a little dig. Are you ready? You ready? You with me? Okay, good. First of all, we're going to look at, any of you read the census details? You're like, mm, some of you will have done, and saw the newspapers. So this is a what, I've, and I've got Scotland for you. So I've got Scotland and the UK, so you can have a little bit of a, little bit of a dig uh, at the two differences. So uh, in Scotland, 43% of the population would say that they are Christian. Now, if you are over the age of 60, you're probably like, oh dear, this is a huge drop-off. And if you're under the age of 25, you're probably like, and? <laughs> so, um, because, you know, that's, that's where the difference has come. We've seen a very big difference in, um, in, the, in the last few decades of what I would call, we're beginning to lose nominal Christianity. So that is somebody who, when they go into hospital and they get given a form and they tick, um, they, would, they would tick that they're Christian. Um, a lot of people now wouldn't necessarily just tick that they're Christian. They would tick that they are of no religion. And so we've got this growing group of none of the above. I'm just, we're just, we've got the growing group of irreligious. We're not religious. And we've got more, um, more atheists. And this gets more pronounced sort of the younger, the younger you go. You get less people saying they're Christian and more people saying that they are, they're not. Well, you're saying, Rachel, this isn't that because sounding like a very good harvest field right now. Stay with me, people. Stay with me. Um, so... And, and what's up? But that none of the above. Well, what's happening there? If you really want to know, Theos, there's a group called Theos, done a cracking report. Do you think that means not the slightest bit interested? Because that's what we think it says, isn't it? Not the slightest bit interested. But you know, a third of those people would also say that they are spiritual. Oh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? What is spiritual? Basically, not religious, but spiritual. One of my friends would be in that category, and she was saying about how she prayed, and I asked her who she prayed to, and she said, oh, I don't know. Great question. Never really thought about it. Now, I would have thought that anyone who prayed would think about who they were praying to, because that's sort of, but of course, you don't have to think about who you pray to when you pray. That doesn't actually follow. And she would be in this none of the above category. Does that make sense? She's spiritual. But she prays. Great conversation we had after that. Okay. But we haven't got 43% in church of Aberdeen. Are they hiding somewhere? We haven't, have we? We recognize that totally and entirely. So how many people have we got in this team for this amazing task of evangelism? I'll tell you. We've got 6%. So that's this one. We've got 6% of people who I would call, we had to make up a measure of practicing Christians. They're people who um, go to church at least once a month. Do you know what? That's become regular. I grew up in the Brethren. I went five times on a Sunday and at least twice in the week. That was regular. Anyway, um, and, uh, but now regular is once a month. And they've also got to pray and read their Bibles um, at least weekly. That is the big measure. And you can see that in scripture. When you put Bible reading 
into, into like watch Christians for their Bible reading. That is where the drop-off is. But if we want to look at a team who are mobilized for mission, the people who read this and live by it are the people who will be mobilized for mission. Let's be really honest. And the people who don't, they're not that mobilized very often for mission evangelism. So that's what I was looking for, is how many people have we got to fulfill the task? And it is 6% of the population. And you're like, oh, Rachel, that is like a huge drop. But there's some exciting things about this 6%. The 6% has not dropped since 2015. We are not in decline. Oh, so practicing active Christians are not in decline in the UK. Something else exciting. They are equally weighted through all the generations. There is no missing generation when it comes to active and practicing Christians. Well, that's two fantastic bits of news, even if we go no further. So, the team, the team that Jesus has commissioned in um, both Scotland and the other parts of the UK is a 6% team, and they are across all the generations, and we are not in decline. Now, that's funny, isn't it? Because have the newspapers ever reported that? It's interesting, isn't it? Who you listen to... Who's controlling your thought makes you determine what you think about whether Jesus is right about harvest fields and harvesters. So that's good news. Then we had a little look about what people think about Jesus. Because if the main thing is that I want to meet people to meet Jesus, it would be really good to know what they thought about Jesus. Do you see what I mean? So about 20% think that he is God in, in human form who lived uh, amongst people in the first century. Good start. That is more people than actually we've got often in church. Uh, 25% think he's a normal human being. But 33% think he's a spiritual prophet leader. Way more than the Muslim population. So sometimes when people think that, see that slide, they think, oh, maybe that's all the people who think that much. Way more. Wouldn't you like a cup of tea with somebody who thinks Jesus is a prophet? Wouldn't that be an interesting conversation? Have you ever read the words of the prophet? Have you ever read about his life? Good place to start if you can see that someone's a spiritual prophet is by reading his life. And if you've never read it, reading this would be a great opportunity to at least discover what you think for yourself. Which was a cracking conversation I had on a train with a, a guy who was probably about 23. He, he fitted in the stats very well. And he said he'd never really examined it for himself, but he did have a Christian friend. And I was like, you, just, you need to decide for yourself. You've got a vague notion of Jesus. Why don't you read the life of Jesus for yourself and then decide? Oh, yeah, that's a really good idea great idea. Anyway, he did. He, did, he went away to, and he said, I'm going to read the Bible. And then another lady on the train chipped in and said, you know what? I've heard all your conversation. I think I'm going to go back to church. So that was amazing. That was an amazing train journey. Um, 4% other, 18% just don't even know. So again, what an opportunity. Actually, every time someone, so when you ask somebody, sometimes I think when we think we're doing evangelism, we think we're sort of starting from a blank slate. Do you see what I mean? They're all atheists. They're not. Some of them are spiritual. Some of them are open. Some of them think Jesus is a prophet. Well, they're all a lot easier to have a conversation with, aren't they? Way easier. Great. Now, are you ready? Um, we're going to have a look at the one stat that everyone had a problem with. Um, and it's, what do you think about the resurrection of Jesus? How many people in the UK and in Scotland do you think would think that Jesus rose from the dead? You can see it. It's come up. It's good. Um, it is 13% believe word for word that Jesus rose from the dead here 
in Scotland. You're like, well, Easter. It's exciting, isn't it? But then look at this, 26%, what I call wobble factor believers. So they are willing to tick on a form that they think that Jesus rose from the dead. But they haven't quite worked it all out. I don't think they've met the transforming power of Jesus. They've not encountered the resurrected Jesus for themselves. It's some kind of hope, maybe, about some future or against something spiritual or something eternal when I die. But they don't actually, truly, they've never experienced him. Well, I want more, of a cup, more than a cup of tea with this group, don't you? Wouldn't that be exciting? We could actually help them to meet and encounter the resurrected Jesus, which is what we would love to do this Easter right across the UK. We'd like to invite everybody in the UK to an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. We'd like to make so much noise about Easter, we'd like to reclaim it. Now, in 2017, uh, the BBC ran a very similar survey. With us. We, we, we used a... Um, polling company. So we didn't do the research myself. I didn't stand on the streets and ask 3,000 people. We got a big polling company to ask 3,000 people all these questions. So it's weighted correctly for the UK. You get the proper, if you like, the proper recipe of the soup of what would make up the UK. Um, and so the BBC went to them and said, we're looking for a headline for Easter Sunday that will read more people believe in reincarnation than resurrection, no longer Christian Britain. So that's what they wanted. Have you got any questions about resurrection or Easter? Oh, yeah, we've got one we use for this group. Here we are. Da, 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 da. So they put this poll together and did some research. Guess what? They got this result. This result. Across the whole UK, it's 45%. It was 44% in 2000, um, 2017. 44% of the UK said, yes, Jesus rose from the dead. Is that not staggering? In a secular scientific age that 44% of the population still thought that Jesus got up after he died. That's staggering. So did they run with that as a headline? Did any of you see that as a headline? No. What they did is they worked out the number of people who ticked Christian, nominally, who also ticked that they didn't believe in the resurrection, which was about 13% or 18%, and they ran, 13% of Christians do not believe in the resurrection. Has the church failed? Well, I was like, excuse me. I think you've missed the main point. 44% of the population believe Jesus rose from the dead. Isn't that the point here? So I went on local... In those days, you sat in a little booth um, somewhere in London when you went on the local radio stations and you sort of got tuned in to each one as you went around. Now you do it all by Zoom, which is a lot quicker from your home. But anyway, so you sat there in your little booth and you went to the next radio station. Hello, welcome to BBC Radio Leicester. Hello, welcome. So I went round. I mean, you just sit there for hours going round to all the little local radio stations. And I had the same conversation over and over again with the, with the, with the presenters. So they tell me their news, 13%, what do you think, isn't this a disaster? And I said, well, that's all very interesting, but did you know that 44% of the UK population believe Jesus rose from the dead? And then they'd say, well, where did you get that from? That can't be true. And I'd say, your research. And then they'd say, well, uh, my friends don't believe it. And I'd say, and therein lies your problem. You are not in touch with the whole UK population. You're probably in touch with about, I don't know, maybe 25 people in Islington. And um, I can tell by the colour on the census that that colour goes, that you're probably in a quite a hardened, no-religious world. 
It's one of the really, that, that would be that place in space. I didn't say it quite, as, quite like that to them. Anyway, um, but th that's the problem. In their world, no one believed in the resurrection. And so they couldn't believe. That's why they even conceived of the headline. Does that make sense? We've seen this a few times, haven't we, in the UK, that maybe our thought leaders are not in touch with the population. Just a few times of late. Um, and we do see it when it comes to the Christian faith. They're not in touch with the population. And so what happens to us is we scroll through social media, we look at the news. Oh, dear. There's three of us left. We live in Portsmouth. We're 85, and the Church of Jesus Christ in the UK is going to close next week. It's not true. Look around the room. Do you know, I get the privilege. I get the absolute privilege of traveling around the UK, and everywhere I go, this is amazing. Look at the team. They're extraordinary. And I think it's the greatest scheme of the enemy is to tell this is a to, to tell lies through the media that damage the confidence of the church. And they take away all our confidence to share the gospel. And instead, look at us. We're amazing. We're right across the UK. We're known really well by people. We're in the right place. God always had a great plan. It was called the local church. We don't need a plan B. We're plan A. No one else is coming, by the way. We're plan A. It's us and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's all right, we've got God. That's the plan for Aberdeen. You're the plan for revival in Aberdeen. And would you believe it? More people are more open to the gospel now than in 2015. Yes, Jesus. One is next. I wasn't expecting that marker. I love it when research gets me. Um. We're going, to have a, we're going to perhaps do a little bit of a jump. So um, we also asked, do you know what? It's a really good thing to do. If you're looking for, if you want someone to find something, have you ever played hide and seek with a three-year-old? Ever played hide and seek with a three-year-old? You put the object kind of like, I'm hiding the green glass. You know? So they can actually find it. Because if you hide it really like in the bottom of that bin, they'll never find it. So, so with the Christian face, sometimes I think, we, um, hide, we hide Jesus at the bottom of the bin. So we should put Jesus somewhere really obvious so people can find him. One of the ways we can do that is ask people where they'll look. Where would you look to find out about Jesus? Then we could put Jesus in the places where they're looking. Kind of logical. Where are they looking? I think that'll be the next slide. Um, and they say, number one, that they would... Yeah, Go to where you would look about anything. The weather. Where are you going to go on holiday? What restaurant to eat in? Where would you look, everybody? Internet. So no wonder when you ask the UK population or the population of Scotland where they'd look to find Jesus, the number one answer is the internet. So we need to make sure that we're online. It's really obvious, isn't it? But it's a bit like this. Really obvious. Put, it, put Jesus somewhere really obvious so people can find him. So like church websites, great for notices, but are there like how many of you could be filmed as you walk out the door doing a little testimony? Get that scrolling so people can discover what meeting Jesus really looks like through all of you. I know one church that did that and someone came to meet Bob. They're like, Bob? Yeah, Bob, I saw him online. Oh, yeah, Bob. Because it's, it's the power of, it's one of the most powerful tools for mission that we've got in our hands. 
And everyone's got it in their hands, let's be honest, all the time. Um, so we need to use the internet. And YouTube, if, um, if you're younger, you were more on YouTube. So under the age of 24, people were saying YouTube over Google. But then don't worry, going to a local church is in there. Um, talking to somebody is in there. That's why you're always, you, you're the number one A-team. You're the number one A-team. All of you are the number one A-team on this. And um, I also love this one. Reading the Bible. So loads of people who aren't Christian, and these are all the non-Christians, say that they would read the Bible if they wanted to find out about Jesus. So we could make sure that they've got one for when they need to read it, probably in a moment of crisis, let's be honest. So that they, they fall over the Bible, that it's, it's there. The other thing we discovered in research is that, particularly for the younger generation who do want to read a Bible, it needs to look beautiful and be in a language that they can understand, which is fine. That's like if you were visiting China as a missionary, you would ask the culture what would help them to, you know, what would help them. And design is a language. So we have to, that's why you've got these and Karen is going to talk about them. We designed them so that everybody could have it in a language that is really easy to read and it looks beautiful. More people will read about Jesus, more people will find Jesus because he's in an obvious place. Great. Um, we're going to do a few more exciting things. We're going to look at whether people know one of you. So... Um, it's 53% of the non-Christians know somebody who's a Christian in the UK. And if you can go to the next slide, we'll get a Scottish-UK break. Um, so you've got more people who know you in Scotland. You've got 59%. 59% of Scottish non-Christians know someone who is a practicing, what they perceive to be a practicing or active Christian. So that's exciting, isn't it? You've got a bigger reach. Yeah, it's a good start, isn't it? I'd say it's a crackingly good start. So we could always start with them, I always feel. Again, why make the job harder than it is? Um, we could start with them. So that's a really good, you've got a really good reach. Um, how well do they know us? That's the next slide. They know us really well. Uh, they actually, family is really bigger in Scotland than it is um, across the whole UK. There's something about family connections that's very big and coming out really strongly. Um, and how would they describe you? Just stop, don't show that one yet. Just think for two minutes. If you're watching a sitcom... How would the Christian be portrayed? Just for two minutes, think in your little brain, how would the Christian be portrayed in a sitcom, people? Okay, you got it? Let's have a look. They really like you. This is just, um, this is just Scotland, I think. I've only got Scotland. So you're friendly. Number one, you are friendly. Number two, you are caring. You're off the scale, friendly and caring. Was that how you were last portrayed? We were last portrayed in anything that we watched? once again who's winning who's telling us so people lose confidence I don't want to say that I'm a Christian because they'll all think I'm narrow-minded judgmental but how exciting is that we're friendly we're caring we are what's that what I think generous and we should be good human that's the other one that always comes out but anyway yeah I think it's good human I can't see the gray it's getting a bit yeah generous friendly where is it yes it is good humored there are top traits. Look at you. Look around the room. Aren't you a friendly, caring, generous, good-humoured, amazing group of people? Isn't that exciting? On the street, you'll be the person who people come to in a crisis. In your family, you'll be the person people ring because they don't know what to do and they need prayer. Of course we are. We're extraordinary. And then, have we ever talked to these people? Let's just see next slide. 
Ah, we might need to do a little bit about talking here. So we need more conversations about Jesus. We need to open our mouths more, talk more about Jesus. Uh, When we do, if you skip the next one and go to, um, I wanted to know more about Jesus. You might say, oh, no, Rachel, it's only 24% of the people that we've talked to. So this is, say a non-Christian had a conversation with a Christian. We asked the people who remained a non-Christian whether they wanted to know more about Jesus. And it's one in four here. And that's gone up since 2015, where it was one in five. So things have improved. And you might go, Rachel, it's not everybody. Do you know what? The Apostle Paul didn't get a 100% hit rate. In fact, some people threw him out of the town. They were that angry when he spoke about his faith. So we can't expect 100%. But I would happily find that one in four, wouldn't you? Because that means we can guarantee that out there, there are people who want to know about Jesus. Statistically speaking, I guarantee you they're there, and I guarantee you they're in Scotland. So would you like to find them? Don't worry about the rest. Jesus Jesus will sort them. Worry about the ones who actually said they want to know about Jesus. And um, if we look at the next slide, um, 28% are open to an experience or encounter. You'll find these groups are not the same. They're not identical. There's an overlap, but they're not all the same. So some people say, I want to know about Jesus. Some people say, I want to experience Jesus. So what could you do to help your friends experience Jesus? What would that look like? probably coming along to this. Just come along. Just come along to church on Sunday. Just come with me. Uh, Fusion just did a study. 74% of students in the UK said if they were asked by a friend to go to church, they would say yes. I'm going to repeat that. 74% of the students they interviewed on campuses, if asked, because Gen Z are a part of the reason this is looking like this. They are the open generation. We've got lots of people in our church, they keep coming to faith, who have got atheist parents. Atheism has not worked. It's not become the compelling narrative for the generation that's grown up in atheism. And they're searching. And they keep walking through the doors. I find that really, they keep walking through the doors. You know, like the the building. So I'm going to skip all the way now to slide number 24. Great. This is the way that adults come to faith. What are the top influences in bringing adults to faith? Can you see number one? Life event. Positive or negative life event. What have we been through as a nation? We had a pandemic. It was called, it's a life event on a massive scale. Then there was the war in Ukraine, life event. Then we've had an economic crisis, life event. And now there's a war between Israel and Gaza. What's happened in people's worlds is they thought they had a straight line path of how they were going to live their life straight down the middle here, and suddenly the foundation got rocked, and it moved. And when that happens, there is an openness for the gospel. That's just how it is. There's an openness for the gospel. So that openness is now. It's now. There is an openness for the gospel that we haven't seen in such a long time. And there is a generation coming up as well who are seriously asking questions and hungry. And so we have got an opportunity that we've not seen. Things that we thought, like perhaps, um, I don't know, things that we did, those of us who were old, things that we did, like, uh, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago, we stopped doing, are now suddenly working. 
like standing on the street and giving out Bibles. Uh, there's a guy, Jan, who's doing with his YWAM, and they are giving out Bibles in homes, going around the doors, knocking on the doors, saying, have you got a Bible? Would you like a Bible? Have you read the Bible? Would you been reading a Bible? Can we pray for you? One in three homes is taking a Bible. One in three homes is taking a Bible. One in three homes aren't actually in. So we don't know what they would say, so they've got to, make a, they've got to go back and ask them. Um, so we, we're going to do that as a church. We're going to go on the Oikos app. You can mark, get a team. You can have a whole area, and then you can pray for your streets, and then you can knock on the doors. These are the kind of things we just thought, oh, I can't do that. And um, final little stories as we come into land. Can you see there's a Christian family, church service, spiritual experiences, reading the Bible. That's why I'm really excited about reading the Bible, Bible woman. So I'm on a train. And I'm going from one conference to another conference, and I've got my bag, my suitcase with all my things in it, jungling along. And I know, statistically speaking, what one of the most open groups in the UK is a parent with a child under, age, under the age of five. So I know that from the stats. 74% um, of all of the parents in the UK with a child under the age of five are in touch with the church. Yes. Genuinely, that is a true statistic. Um, so we should do something with that age bracket, not just amuse them and give them a, the adults a custard cream and a cup of tea and the children a toy. We should introduce them to Jesus. So your nativity thing, absolutely bang on, and you will be overwhelmed with people coming. We had 162 families turn up to our firework event. We'd slightly underpowered. We only had one firework. <laughs> so uh, we need to scale that one up for next year. I loved it when Bridget asked for feedback. I'm like, my number one feed work is we can't call it a fireworks event with one firework. Anyway, we were overrun. We didn't have room for the prams. We ran out of hot dogs. We ran out of craft activity. It was absolute bedlam. But they did all get a Noah's Ark book to take away that we've done with the entertainer Happy Land toy store. So they all were able to take away a story from the Bible, which has an animation, a song, and a story about, you know, story about God. Yes. Anyway, I had one of those in my bag. I'm on a train. I'm going from somewhere to somewhere. And there's this family, to, uh, dad, mum, and little girl. Little girl gets to crayoning the walls of the train. I'm like, oh, my word. I'm like, oh, I've got Noah's Ark in my book bag. I could give that to her. They're really open. They're really open. No, I don't want to do that. I'd look really weird. Rachel, statistically speaking, they're really open. And you've got Noah's Ark in your book. And you talk about this all the time. I know. I'm very tired. I've just come out of focus. Rachel. Oh, come on then. They're just going to think I'm weird. Hello, weird woman. <laughs> weird woman. Hello, I just wondered if your little girl would like this book. It's Noah's Ark. It's a Bible story. Oh, wow. Thank you. Anyway, I go through the book. Here's the penguins. Here's the giraffes. So I read the book to the little girl. Dad looks at me and goes, it's very strange we should meet you. Two weeks ago, for the first time ever, we as a family walked into a church and now we've met you on a train. Ah, thank you, Lord. Um, anyway, we had the most amazing conversation that opened up. And he said, are you seeing this more often? I explained, as married to Vicar, da, 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 da. I said, what sort of church should you go to? He said it was evangelical. I said, oh, that sounds good. He said, what is that? I said, oh, no, that's good. That's good. You'll be fine. Um, and <laughs> but what an amazing opportunity. And there I was with all the stats still sitting there going, they'll think I'm weird. Final story on coming to land. In contrast, there is an old lady in Iran. Iran is not like this, statistically. If we did the stats for Iran, it wouldn't look like this. She's risking a lot more than weird, isn't she? 
if she does anything. But anyway, she keeps having Bibles that are being smuggled into Iran. They keep being delivered to her. She's in her 80s. Each day, she gets a big see-through bag. And they were wondering, how are you managing to do this? Because you can't walk very well, and she can't see very well, and she can't hear very well. And she's in Iran. Other than that, no problems. She says, oh, it's all right. I've worked out a scheme. I fill my bag up. This is when I was on the Biblica Partnership who helped us with this. We're hearing stories right across. Oh, it's so exciting. Anyway, so she filled up her bag with her, with her, her bag, and she goes to the bus. And in Iran, the men sit at the front of the bus, and the women sit at the back of the bus. So she sits as close to the front as she can at, at that divide line. And then she gets out her Bible, and she looks, and she sees a nice young lady, and she smiles and said, oh, hello, dear. I just wondered if you could help me. I'd love to read my book, only my eyesight is failing. So would you read it to me? Oh, yes, yes. So she opens it up and she starts reading it. She says, oh, that's lovely, dear. The only problem is my hearing is failing. So I can't hear you. Could you please speak up a little bit louder? Right, okay. So this girl begins to shout the Bible in Iran on the bus. And other people on the bus are going from both halves, the men's half and the women. What book is that? That's really interesting. I've never heard that. Oh, it's the Bible. Oh, we'd love one. That's all right. I've got them. And she hands them all out on the bus. And she goes home and she repeats. She can't hardly see. She can't hardly hear. She's in a regime that will kill her. And she manages to get on the bus and give out the word of God. And I'm still nervous on a train to give out Noah's Ark with Happy Land characters. <laughs> Can we get there, people? Yeah. What's the worst that's going to happen when you offer this to someone? They might say no. What's the best that's going to happen? You are going to bring them into the presence of Jesus for all eternity. Can you cope with a no? Because if you can, I can. And if the woman in Iran can cope with death, I think we could cope with it, couldn't we? And just think what could happen if everyone in Aberdeen gets one of these and discovers Jesus. And you've got an open generation. who are, They are desperately searching. You know that passage, harassed and helpless? That is what we have. That they're being discipled by the devil that's the only thing we can say. The enemy is discipling. We need to bring them hope of Jesus. We can't keep this to ourselves. It's a day of good news. Will we do it together? I'm going to pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you. Thank you that it's a day of good news. Jesus, thank you that you came to set the prisoners free, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring healing and restoration to bring your truth. You came to the harassed, you came to the helpless, and you want to commission this group of people, your A-team here in Aberdeen, all of those online, they're where they are, where you have placed them, is where you want them to be, because you want them to take the good news, and today is a day of good news. Jesus, come by the power of your Holy Spirit. Anoint us afresh to be fearless, to be confident, and to get your good news out to as many people as possible. We want to walk into your presence, Jesus, surrounded by the people that we have brought with us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
So good. So good. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's so good. And so you guys are, uh, uh, in the other sites are still with us as well. We just wanted to kind of respond to it uh, as, as leaders and say, you know, Rachel wasn't here by accident. Uh, we invited her because we know that this is a message that we as a church need to hear. And uh, we have a, we've had a growing sense that the Lord is doing something really amazing in Scotland, in the northeast of Scotland in particular. We keep meeting people who have become Christians by themselves or who are deeply interested in Christian faith. We know that that's, it just feels like a fresh thing, and we want to respond to it. And we all, what we'd love is, as a whole church, that we just kind of embrace the awkwardness and go for it and share our faith with everyone we know. You know, the, a couple of statistics stood out from what Rachel said. One of them was that essentially 60% of us, uh, you know, uh, people know that we're Christians, but we're not great at just opening our mouths. And I would definitely include myself in that category. And so we want, we want, we want that to shift. And then 74% of students, if they were invited to come to church, would come. And I'm sure that would be the case for many other people who aren't students as well. And so we just want to kind of change the game, just kind of turn over the page and just say, what could we as a church do to communicate the good news of Jesus to as many people as possible? And so there's a couple of things that we wanted to make you aware of. The first thing is these... um, Bibles, the beautifully designed ones that Rachel talked about, we've bought a whole load of them and uh, they're available at the welcome lounges at all of our sites today. Uh, we haven't, you know, we've got a lot, we haven't got hundreds and hundreds, but we've got a lot. And so if you know that you would take one of these away today and you know who you would give it to and you would intend to give it to them, please just take one of these as our gift and just give it away. We would love you to do that. Um, also, you can buy these as well. Uh, the QR code, the, in, the remarkable new technolo- technological device that we've discovered. Uh, if you go to the QR code, you can buy these as well. And you can buy them in like boxes of 10 or, you know, like on mass. And so if, that maybe is a thing. You could, you could just spend some money, buy a whole box of them and challenge yourself to give them all away. That would be a fantastic thing to do. So these Bibles at the Welcome Lounges in all of our sites today and also you can buy them. The second thing is that there's a course that Rachel and her team have designed called the Talking Jesus Course and we as a church are all going to go through it. And so um, in January... Uh, February time or in the new year, uh, all of the connect groups are going to go through this course together. It's really awesome. We've already piloted it, trialed it with a a number of groups. We know that it's excellent. And so we're all going to go through it. Um, That's a kind of a bit of a shift from what we've done with connect groups before. So we're all going to go on this journey together. And we need more groups because at the moment, not everyone is in a group. And so we need to start more groups. And so if you'd be willing, you're not leading a group at the moment, but you'd be willing to host a a Talking Jesus group just for next term, we would find that so, so helpful. And so you need to speak to your site pastors if you'd be willing to do that. That'd be super, super helpful. Those are the two things, aren't they, Terry? Okay. Okay, so the QR code, if you're interested in in hosting a group, then go to the QR code 
if you would like to order fish and chips for your dinner, go to the QR code. Um, I imagine that it's there somewhere in the list. But uh, we're just excited. We're excited. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm full of faith. I just have this sense that we, you know, we're already seeing. We've baptized more people this year than we've ever baptized in a year before. We've seen a whole bunch of people come to faith, especially the younger generation, but not exclusively. We we just believe that this is a moment that we, are, as a church, need to respond to, and that's what we're going to do. So can I pray as well, and then I'm going to hand uh, all the sites back to their pastors and so on. So. Lord, we we just want to step into this moment, believing that the statistics are true, believing that there's an openness amongst the the population, that that they would be willing to hear from us. And so we're going to step into this moment, we're going to speak up for you, Jesus, and we pray that by your spirit, you would guide every conversation, you would give us the words to say, you would fill us with confidence and boldness, and you'd help us to deal with some rejection and some awkwardness lord we just want to speak up for you because we believe that a relationship with you doesn't just change people's lives now but it changes people's whole eternity and so we're stepping into that truth and we're 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 willing to serve you jesus and all god's people said amen 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 wonderful great to see you guys